Civil danger warning. A disaster of unknown type has occurred. Normal programming has been suspended. Gary. Gary, have you written down the phrase? This is not a test. Okay, let's get going. This is Free Yorkshire Radio. Hello and welcome to Free Yorkshire Radio. Gary has found an abandoned robot at the base of an enormous crater and has gleaned a phrase from its underside that we think is a powering up instruction. Okay, Gary, attach it to the generator and I'll say the words. Here goes. Klaatu Barada Niktu. Yes, yes, it's working. And we now should have enough power for the show. My name, of course, is Lloyd Becklesnip, and we'll be bringing you all the latest government-approved news and stories from the glorious Free Republic of Yorkshire, the mightiest of the many new nation-states that, several decades ago, emerged from the troubled era that was early 21st century Britain. In this episode, we pay a visit to Yorkshire's largest wind farm, meet up with elite swamp mongrel breeder Gil Pierce, and, returning to the show, we are delighted honoured and slightly leaking at the groin to announce that we have an exclusive chat with the royal Brent of Londinium, formerly Prince Brent, but now King Brent. King Brent is visiting Yorkshire on a diplomatic mission, and these new temporary rules have been put in place to accommodate his visit. 1. Do not, at any time, make direct eye contact with King Brent. 2. If you are permitted to talk to King Brent, then please use his proper title of Your Royal Majestic Magnificence, King Brent. Permissible substitutions are Your Most Studly Gorgeous Butt Muffin or simply The Ding-Dongiest Guy in the Land. 3. Should King Brent decide that he wants to eat your liver, please make sure that your pocket knife is sterilised before slicing into yourself to retrieve it. And please, no crying or wailing, as it puts King Brent right off his nosh. 4. Should King Brent choose any of your children for a lifelong commitment of indentured servitude within his court, then the correct response is to say, thank you for bestowing your most kingly of kingliest grace upon my vile putrid head, you dazzling terrific Dudorino. And 5. No sandals. And now it's time for our visit to Yorkshire's largest wind farm. I caught up with owner Hadley Warrington Key III as he showed me around the turbines. You're listening to Free Yorkshire Radio. And so as I enter the gates of the Warrington Key wind farm and see the mighty turbines twisting in the wind, I can feel the sense of power that's been generated by these mighty mighty machines and i can see the owner himself it's hadley warrington key the third hello hadley and welcome to the show ah hello there good to uh, good to finally see you after all this back and forth uh, through the uh, the the old uh, uh, mailing and writing and the communication devices and all that sort of thing <laughs> well yes it did take a little bit of time to set up this interview obviously the usual semaphore messages just kept getting blown off course by the back thrust of your machines. Yes, and the less said about the pigeons, the better. Uh, yes, I think I saw a little pile of feathers on my way in, but you're here now. It's an absolute delight to be in your 
vast farm. I mean, I've been driving for a good 10 minutes here before I got to the mansion at the centre. You've got quite the operation here, Hadley. Well, absolutely. I think it's very important that when you are a third-generation wind farmer that you keep the fields adrift with these magnificent turbines and, of course, from all ranges of history here, lots of different types of turbines. You see this one that I live in here, very much a vintage windmill, you know? Oh, yes, yes, a windmill. We remember those from days of yore. So that's a wooden construction. It is, it is. It is rather small, I mean, I must admit. I'd barely fit in there, but it is rather cosy. And do you still grind wheat as well? Well, we find that when we harvest the wheat, we take it out and the wind just blows it all away again. Yes, yes. Well, I think you're showing that in these surroundings, it is difficult to sort the wheat from the chaff. Oh, don't get me started on the chaff. Honestly, the chaff around here. There's a bunch of group that uh, like to uh, hide out in my fields of turbines. Are these people actually trying to harvest the wind that you're generating? Because we know that there's been groups of bandits going around with handheld wind turbines completely against government ordinances. Well, absolutely. In order to try and snaffle some power. They're cooling themselves down using the wind from that. And believe me, you're talking about wind. I've been near these people, and you don't want to get me started on the wind that they produce themselves. Chaff are not welcome on this site. So if any of these chaff people are listening, we'll be taking action. Yes, it's wind theft. Plain and simple wind theft. Don't thieve on another man's wind. I know, I know. And you mentioned as well the wind that they generate themselves is slightly more flammable. Got to be very careful with that kind of wind generation. You've had experiments with that yourself in the past when you were harvesting the wind of cattle and horses and whatnot. When we saw wind power, we always think of different types of wind power, whether it comes from the sky or whether it comes from one's harness. The wind that comes from the various animals we've had here, the way that the gas molecules spread from these animals are all differing. But of course, when it all amalgamated into one huge pot, unfortunately, one errant cigarette ash flicked away and up it went. Well, yes, and it put the future of the farm at risk because it took out so many wind turbines as well. But fortunately, hurricane season that year was particularly fierce. You managed to get some magnificent new turbines up in record time. It was kind of almost a snowball effect as electricity production went up. You were able to invest in bigger and bigger turbines that were able to withstand more and more vicious hurricanes. Well, you say a snowball effect. In fact, it was started by a literal snowball. My father and I were out on the field, and when the wind started to gather, we thought, ah, there would be a perfect time to try out our new machine to hurl snowballs and see if we could get the wind behind it to get the speed and velocity. This is when you started your side business of launching old animal parts towards Lancashire because it was the snowball effect again. You saw how fast the turbine was able to launch a snowball and you went, if we put little baskets on the end of each turbine, we can turn it into a permanent trebuchet. And if anyone's got the rotting corpse of a dismembered animal that they need launching towards Lancashire, 
you're the man to do it. Yes, we realised that this could be a weapon in the great war against the Lancashireans. The look on the faces when we managed to tune in to the Lancashire television to see the wretched expressions on the faces of those who have just been doused with some Raining, sort of... raining down with animal parts. Yes, absolutely. Raining down, getting carcasses of rabbits and goats and otters. They didn't understand. It was such a laugh. A riot. What carcasses, you know, aerodynamically weight to size ratio, what have you found works best? We started with squirrels, but uh, we then discovered that as we were doing it more and more, evolution suddenly took off and they all evolved into the flying squirrel variety and they were able to glide off. Uh, the, the second uh, particular one was a, a gopher. They're a lot bigger than you expect them to be and no gliding mechanism within them or anything like that. Um, but the angle with which you launched it did matter. Part of their general body shape aerodynamically wasn't suitable, so it sort of landed just short of the border a lot of the time. But actually, we found guinea pigs were the best ones because, you know, when they are thrown, their natural tendency is to curl up and turning into a ball shape. And because if they're going into a ball shape, much more easy to glide through the air mm-hmm. and they manage to go through all the jet streams and the wind. No problem whatsoever. And of course, the extra part of that is when it does land, those rolled up, balled up guinea pigs hit the Lancastrians in the face. You know, we've heard of eye fractures, broken noses, missing teeth. And quite frankly, it's a picture we just love to see. If I had a picture of everyone that got hit with a guinea pig ball from my trebuchet, I would frame it. I would. Yes. And they're famed for being docile pleasant animals but you fire one through the air for 10 to 40 minutes they turn into a little vicious ball of fur I mean they can burrow through wood concrete stainless steel you know once they get going once they enter their berserker stage there's nothing quite like a berserker guinea pig. The berserker guinea pigs are an absolute sight, I can tell you. We did have one. Unfortunately, we let the trebuchet go too high an angle, so it basically went straight up for about 20 minutes and then came back down. So when it did land, indeed, we did have a few issues with the guinea pig burrowing itself through into the foundations of a lot of our turbines, causing them to buckle somewhat, and we had to send all sorts after. We had to send moles, ferrets, rhinoceroses, all sorts of animals in there to try and get this particular guinea pig back. We did manage to, and actually it ended up being quite a good little pet of my own, actually, and we have it in a lovely little cage in my front room in the small wooden windmill. with literally just room for myself and the guinea pig. That's pretty much all there is. And yes, it's called Cyril. Lovely. Before we go, I mean, we've seen the past of uh, wind turbines with your windmill there. We've seen the present with the trebuchet turbine launching God knows what towards a common enemy. But what does the future of wind farming have in store for us? Well, that may be up to whoever ends up being my heir, because with the Warrington Key family, as you know, I am the third of a long line of, uh, well, the third in a line of three. Mm-hmm. It was never my massive intention to take over the family business, as it were. I was veering into other directions. I've had a lot of side interests. There have been many other facets to me. So this is an opportunity for anyone out there who wishes to follow their dream of being a wind farmer. Mm -hmm. Basically, I would like to announce right now that I am looking to retire. And so... I would like to announce that we will be holding a competition that will see someone out there in Yorkshire that has the right attitude, the right ideas, and above all else, the right stuff. So we will be holding competitions. We'll have a little judging panel of myself, my father, 
and of course our celebrity judge, the noted TV chef Marlon Hookbein, mm-hmm. and he'll be putting on a sumptuous buffet. So if anything, there's even more reason to come along. Well, you're looking for an heir to the heir. That's a perfect title. Right I'll cut you in on the proceeds for that one. Oh, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for your time again, Hadley, and we wish you best of luck in finding an heir. Why, thank you so much. It's going to be a breeze. You're listening to Free Yorkshire Radio. And if you want to enter that competition to inherit the wind farm, then here's how. Simply open a window and blare out the answers to our questionnaire that will explain to us why you should be heir to the air. If you dare, submit yourself to our glare. Extra points will be awarded for displaying a debonair flair, but take care, as if you swear, your chances it will impair. It's only fair. And you'll be out on your derriere without a prayer. So please be aware and don't have a mare. If with the other entrants you favourably compare, then the final pair will be invited to our lair. Will you be sat in a chair and your soul you will bear? We will stare until we can declare who has the chance to become a millionaire by being chosen to be the new heir to the air. Okay, the robot's eyes are glowing a healthy shade of red, so we've got plenty of power to continue with our show. For our next feature, I was lucky enough to be let behind the secretive doors of Yorkshire's most elite swamp mongrel breeding stable and meet its owner, the elusive Gil Pierce. Here's what I found out. And so I'm here in the very plush waiting room of the Gil Pierce swamp mongrel breeding stable. And here comes Mr. Pierce himself. Hello, hello. Hello, Mr. Pierce. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming to visit us. Do you like our fountain? I do, I do. It's an interesting shape. It is, and the sound is very soothing, isn't it? It almost reminds me of being inside the womb. Believe it or not, you're not the first person to have a rebirthing experience in the waiting room of Gil Pierce's breeders. That's what the shape of the fountain reminds me of as well. It's the other side of the vulva. Yes, yes. It's exactly the effect we're looking for. Because what is breeding? Well, exactly. Exactly. New life, new beginnings. Rebirth, birth, rebirth. It's the whole cycle. It's the cycle of life. And you're known as Yorkshire's top-end swamp mongrel breeder. This is where... The rich and the famous, the elite Mm -hmm. and the privileged come for their bespoke swamp mongrels. You just don't breed swamp mongrels. You breed swamp mongrels to order. To order. Absolutely. And we are the breeders of royalty. We don't breed royalty. We are the breeders for royalty. King Geoffrey VII gets his swamp mongrels from here. You have the royal batch the royal batch, the royal breed of swamp mongrels. Very, very, very short legs. Mm-hmm. Very specific frequency yips. That only the king can hear. And they're all mottled blue maharial, mm-hmm. which is just what the king murmured. Well, it's the Yorkshire colors as well, the Yorkshire blue murmur. And also with a splattering of red yes, to represent the blood of our enemies. Of our vanquished enemies. Yes, yes, yes. So it's a fulfilling job to breed. It's a fulfilling job to experiment with bringing new breeds to life. Yes. 
Unfortunately, you probably saw the incinerator in back. Not every experiment works. No, but that's why you have the mongrel burger chain as well. Yes. One feeds the other. There is no room for waste in the modern Yorkshire. It's just repurposed. I like your attitude. But yes, everything is used here from top to bottom, from end to end. But that's the side business. Okay. I would like to talk about the successes, not the failures. So, for example, if I was a high-end customer coming in and going, okay, I've recently inherited one of the remaining Yorkshire estates. I am the new Duke of Skelmanthorpe, let's say. Congratulations. Thank you. And so I'm looking for a swamp mongrel to fit my position. So obviously we know the irradiated swamps that surround Skelmanthorpe, so this breed needs to be radiation-proof. Obviously, stilt-like legs would be good for negotiating a swamp like that. Stilt-like legs, yes. But at the same time, I might want them to act as guard swamp mongrels from our state because there's the continual raids and attacks for our supplies. So how would you create a bespoke breed like that? The guard part, do you want to tear the intruders limb from limb? That sounds good. Well, you have other options. They could hunt and chase them down. Right. And then torture them little by little. And then you get to finish them off. Oh, they're specifically bred to not tear limb from limb, which is instant death for most. Oh, yeah. No, we don't want instant death. So it's not as easy as you would think, because when you have intruders, mm-hmm. us unlanded gentries, we just say, just get going, go away, go away. But you, as a duke, mm-hmm. want to have a bit of fun. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, the fun is a nice side bonus, but mainly we want to send a message. So, you know, I don't want the intruders being killed straight away because that won't deter other intruders. What we want is some prolonged screams, screams, agony that sends out a warning to anyone else thinking of doing something similar. Okay, well, my recommendation for you, we've been working on a breed. Mm. It's the Velocimongrel. Okay. And it has this saliva glands that spit. Mm Mm-hmm. A type of poison that immobilizes the intruder. Yes. Same things that you want. Tall legs, radiation, Mm -hmm. medium fangs that pin the intruder down and spit, spit, spit. Little bits that paralyze. Person is completely conscious, immobilizes them. Okay. And then there's a special call that we can tune the frequency that only you can hear. Yes. That says, come, come. Come, come get your intruder. We are good mongrels, and we've got an intruder for you. Come and do with this intruder as you will. Okay. The Velasa mongrel. Are you interested? Well, if I was, in fact, going to be the Duke of Skelmanthorpe, that sounds perfect. If I happen to bump into the next Duke, I will certainly pass on your recommendation. But I was just wondering, are there any breeds that you have in-house that we could maybe get a sneak preview of? Well, we do have a Duchess mm-hmm. who is looking to create a Lux style 
not to compete with King Jeffrey, but to create a luxe of flowing fur. Oh, right. So she can harvest the fur to make the fineries that she requires. And we have bred this mongrel to shed its skin. Okay. Like other animals of old. Of course, we still have the snakes that come out of the ground and create all sorts of nasty mischief. And we have bred this mongrel to shed its fur and then grow new fur every time. And it can do this many times. But as you can see, we keep it in the dark areas. Does that help the fur become lighter? We found, paradoxically, the darker the breeding environment, the lighter the fur becomes. It creates a bright white fur. Trying to provide a little bit of light for itself. And so we think that this new luxe fur mongrel will be the next big thing. You will see... They're fascinating. It just looks like a drag queen's wig that's come to life. It's just moving massive. I can't see where one fur mongrel begins and the other one ends. If this nuclear winter ever ends, which it never will, (laughs) just having this fur and the lightness and to be able to see from a long way away that there's another royalty coming towards you. We think that this will establish an entirely new hierarchy. Only the royals will have access to the whitest of furs, and then they can mark each other out. And so that will eliminate any of this nasty cross-breeding that we've had within the royals themselves. So there's some one or two of them have not bred with people who are royal like them. It's it's oh, the very thought of it makes my skin crawl. It's a travesty. It really is. We've had the same problem with our. I'm calling this the royal mongrel. Right, yes. But Royale, with an E at the end, Royale, they are also sterile. Okay. So literally, we have to breed them. They cannot breed amongst themselves. So when you say we have to breed them, we, we. Okay, I see. Mm -hmm. We have to breed them. So that brings the whole idea of being a swamp mongrel breeder. There's more to it than just guiding the breeding yes your hands on so to speak not just hands we need a host we need a host to breed these things okay <laughs> uh, you're looking at me in quite a, a knowing way there yeah it's this yeah so uh, you're just the right size i've noticed you've led me into a plush <laughs> pink room Mm. And there's soft music playing and... Yes, and you hear the waterfall again, don't you? Yeah, I do, I do. And I'm feeling... Regress. Regress and... I could see myself staying here and... Oh, look, there's some swamp mongrels now. Just slowly gliding into the room. Starting to... Oh, their fur is soft, isn't it? Oh, is it? Is oh, it's, it's so soft. Yes. And what's there? I can smell the perfume in the air as well. It's making me feel fantastic. I feel like, yes, these swamp mongrels are mine. They are yours, and you are theirs. I am. <laughs> Come to me, my swamp mongrels. Come to me. Come to daddy. Oh, just to see them climb upon you discover you and for it's as if you are in fact a swamp mongrel i feel like one now it's as you are a royale i am a royale i can feel it within me now let me join with my fellow royales yes 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 yes, 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 yes.
Well, uh, yes, I had an interesting and informative experience at the breeding farm. Not now, Fifi. Daddy's busy. So, I can see that the robot, who has told us that his name is Gort, has now got flashing red eyes and is warning us that humankind is barreling headlong down a path of self-destruction and must be stopped. Yeah, 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 Gort, tell us something we don't know. Anyway, I reckon we've just got enough time for our final item before Gort goes into full-on rampage mode. Earlier on, I had the privilege of getting an exclusive interview with Londinium's Premier Royal, formerly Prince Brent, but now King Brent, who was visiting Yorkshire on a diplomatic mission. And so I am delighted to say that I am being led into the royal suite at the Londinium Embassy in Skelmanthorpe to meet with, here he is, Your Majesty, King Brent. Uh, I'm just overcome with emotion and reverence to meet such an important figure as yourself, one of the preeminent royals on this island. Welcome to Yorkshire. Welcome to our glorious nation. How are you finding Yorkshire so far? Oh, hello, Lloyd. Big L. That's what I like to call you. I understand that you're excited to meet me. I've seen myself in the mirror from a lot of different angles, underneath, in front. And I get it. I get it. I get you're excited to see me. But you're asking me, how am I finding it here? Well, Skelman Thorpe is really treating me well. The babes are babely. The mutants are mutantly. And seeing you again, my darling, is absolutely fantastic. And I brought my emotional support mutant with me today, Splunge. Say hello. Hello, sire. Splunge here. Would you like me to hold another mirror neath so you can expect your own undercarriage? Yes, please. I would like to have a groinal mirror. Thank you very much, Splunge. Yes, your sire's is most welcome. You disgust me. Of course, of course. I disgust myself, sire. What kind of animal is that? Becklesnip. Come on, mate. Look with your eyes. Look with your soul. You can tell it's a big rat. It's a rat so big you could get on its back and ride it. Sire, do I have permission to address the gentleman directly? Yes, you certainly can. You can take one of your eyeballs and look towards him as long as the other ones are looking towards me. <laughs> yes, sire. There, there we are. Just about managed it. Hello, I am a river rat. Oh, that would explain the webbed feet as well as the fins. All the better for swimming with. I see. Yes, that's not at all creepy. Thank you. I try my best. A pleasure to meet you, Splunge. Welcome to the show. You certainly do a great job of making your king look even more radiant because you are a disgusting sputum of a creature, if, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> I'm a frightfully ugly beast, but anything I can do to make Sire more palatable, more attractive, anything I can do for Sire. Well, it's good to have such a dedicated and loyal servant, isn't it, King Brent? Oh, it's absolutely stunning, Becklesnip. What I've got to say to you is, though, you would think, oh, ugly creature on the outside, lovely person inside. Horrific indoors as well. Really awful. Would spit on a kid, has spit on many kids, and also pushes old people downstairs just for the fun of it. So please don't look at the outside and think, oh, there's some sort of pity going on here which she feels sad for old spongy mungy over here. Real horror on the inside as well as the outside. <laughs> How wise you are, sire. My opinions are indeed abhorrent. 
Well, yes, I kind of noticed the collection of small shoes on his tail, and I presume they're grim trophies from his past exploits. But what happens is, is that a child will come up and pity the creature, and I'll say, listen, step back, not friendly, not friendly. And the child comes closer to his little whiskers and snout and says, oh, hello, you, you little gorgeous little rat, you, and tries to give it a little tickle under the chin. He likes it for a second, but he gets very overstimulated very quickly and then whomp like that, just bites their face off. Sometimes the head takes the shoes, we scarper because we don't want none of that bad publicity, you know? Well, I was certain to warn the children of Yorkshire to keep their distance, although, of course, with any royal visit, you won't be meeting any of the actual commoners. They'll be at least 50 to 100 yards from your personage at all times during the visit, I can guarantee that. And so you're going to be meeting with King Geoffrey VII himself. Tonight you have the royal banquet before tomorrow's official discussions and meetings and negotiations. So are you looking forward to tonight's event? Uh, me and the J-boy, J-man himself, we used to go boarding school together. We drank mead out of a shoe. We tongue-kissed each other passionately on many occasions. I'd like to take it further. And he would as well. I found his diary, but apparently he's got to stay married to his current five partners. But whatever, we'll move past that. And I reckon we've really got a lovely union between London and Yorkshire. I reckon we've got something nice going on. We can stick our fingers up at Cornwall, turn our noses up at Devon, and just really tell the new forest it's old news. <laughs> well, the plan's to decimate the new forest are gathering pace because we've got the flamethrowers and you've got the oil, the oil that you've skimmed off the surface of the Thames because it's so polluted. You can just take a sieve and whack a few barrels off the surface. And we've had our old flamethrowers. We only discovered what they were last year when somebody brought some oil back from London. We figured out how they worked. It's a match made in, well, I was going to say heaven, but not really heaven. It's a match made in calamity, in chaos. It certainly is a match lit, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <like. laughs> Well done, Splunch. That was the appropriate amount of laughter for that hilarious joke. You're welcome. Sire? Yes? Will King Geoffrey have his own pet river rat? I know that you're excited to say Cordelia. Yes, yes, Cordelia. I've heard she's going to be around, but last time you got a prego and they were overrun, so you've got to keep your wick in the candle, if you know what I mean. I'm very sorry again, sire. Yes, so of course, we don't have the mutated river rat. We have our own national animal, the swamp mongrel. Yes, yes. And so you breeding with that did cause a few issues. That's why the embassy is no longer in Wakefield. It's now in Skelmanthorpe. Wakefield is currently still overrun with what's... We still haven't given it a name. We can't get close enough to them to get a good look, so no one's come up with decent nomenclature. There is a professional we're hoping to get over from Hamlin who claims to be able to work wonders, but we'll just have to wait and see. It's still a heavily quarantined zone. I'm still being asked to pay maintenance. There's a little bit of maintenance going on. It's more the insurance costs is the real money pit. Takes a lot of money as well to keep them electrified fences around them as well, I've heard, because they can withstand a lot of voltage, which is honestly quite breathtaking. The amount of cycling we have to do just to power those electric fences has exhausted half the nation, although it has produced some world-class cyclists as well, so every cloud. But of course, this swarm of mutant offspring is forming a key part of tomorrow's negotiations because there are plans to... Rather than try and contain them, just dig a tunnel to Lancashire and let it be Lancashire's problem. 
So again, we've got the spades and you've got people who can use spades. Yeah, because your lot have got weird fingers and they can't get them in the handle. So we have got people with hands, which seem as if they were born to fit within the handle of a spade and around the shaft of the spade as well. It's weird, but it's who we are. You're diggers. We are diggers. We dig for gold. We dig you. <laughs> Come on, Yorkshire. <laughs> well done, Splunge. That was sycophantic. Your sinus is too kind. You've got that laugh down to a T. But yes, it's been a bit of a living since you've arrived. The people of Yorkshire have taken you to their hearts. The King Brent Tea Tiles, the bestseller. The King Brent disco album is hitting all the clubs. And the King Brent condoms are flying off the shelves. I mean, they don't work. So we're going to have a massive baby boom. I only nibbled 80% of them, sire. Well, listen, they do taste nice. That's the purpose of them. But they are basically just like a windsock. There's no end to them. And also, don't forget, old Lloyd, I can see you've got a pair of them on them now. I can see them coming out the top of your low-rise jeans. The Brent G-strings. Once the initial chafing healed, they're very stylish, yes. Why they had to be encrusted with ground glass, I wasn't too sure the thinking behind that, but they certainly, you never forget that you're wearing them. No, Beckwith Snip, the reason they have got them is so you form calluses so you can go the distance. You're welcome. And your partner or partners, the polycule within which you exist, are also welcome. <laughs> well, we're very excited. We look forward to many years of harmony and cooperation between our two great states. Thank you very much again, King Brent, for gracing us with your presence. See you later tonight. I'll be wearing the G-string. Would you like your bath now, sire? Strip me. No. <laughs> this is Free Yorkshire Radio. Yep. As predicted, Gort has gone into full rogue mode and is intent on saving humanity from itself by destroying us all. Gary, time to alert the rogue robot intent on destroying humanity containment team. But in the meantime, I guess that's the end of another show. Cheerio, and until next time, may all your brews be strong, may all your puddings be fettled, and may all your swamp mongrels be radiation-free. ta have been severely disrupted. Make sure you have food, water, and a battery-powered radio with you. This is not a test. Hi, thanks for listening. I'm Noel Curry, and this show featured David Green as Hadley Warrington Key III, Dr. Ron Harvey as Gil Pierce, Rob Frimston as Splunge the Water Rat, and Francesca Reed as the ding-dongiest guy in the land, King Brent of Londinium. You can find out more about these wonderful improvisers in the episode notes. You can follow this podcast on Facebook at Free York's Radio. We'll be back next month, but if you enjoyed this, then you know what to do. Please subscribe, share, rate and review. Thanks.